Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today you're going to hear from Coach Kenny Simpson. Coach Simpson is currently the head football coach at Southside High School in Batesville, Arkansas. He's a husband, dad, head football coach, author, speaker, married to Jamie. They have three children, just an incredible man of God. I can't wait for you to hear from Kenny, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Simpson. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. So I'd like to start off, just give us a little background information, maybe a little bit about where you grew up, your family growing up, and then your family today. Sure. Uh, well, I'm the oldest of five. Uh, you know, I've got two awesome parents that uh, they had me. My mom was 16. My dad was 17. And so, you know, they had a lot of obstacles that they had to overcome. They, they called me their guinea pig. And, uh, but I think they they did right with me and, and did the best they could. We were military, so my dad obviously had to support his family. Probably one of the hardest working men I've ever known, and that's hopefully has rubbed off on me, has been my father. He's had multiple jobs just to try to figure out a way to support five kids. You know, I was the first, and then he had four more, but we moved everywhere. And so I don't remember as much, but we lived in Italy. We lived in California, Arizona, Florida, all over, which I think has shaped me tremendously because it's given me a lot of exposure to different cultures and to different ideas. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And and it's just been something that I think I've carried with me. Uh, Now I'm married. I got married young as well. I got married at 21. So a little bit older than my, my parents were, but, uh, and I've been, we, I figured out with my wife, we've been together. If you count dating and married longer than we were apart. And so kind of at that tipping point in your life where, I really don't remember a lot of times without her. Uh, and she was a huge impact for me. I kind of had a rough patch there at the end of high school where I was, wasn't making great decisions, uh, but went to Harding University knowing one of my goals was to find a Christian lady at some point. You know, I wasn't, that wasn't the only reason I went, but it was a big reason because uh, I knew I needed to be around a good person. And so uh, actually we met early our freshman year, got married while we were at school. We have three kids. I've got a little girl who's quickly becoming not a little girl anymore and a 12-year-old boy who's caught his mom in height and he's working on catching me. And then I've got a a little seven-year-old who keeps us kind of on our toes. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a lot about your family growing up. Did you grow up um, in a family of faith? And then at what point did you make that decision personal to um, have that relationship with, with, with Jesus? Well, I was blessed. You know, my father, uh, all we, we grew up in the church. You know, we were at church. I can remember missing practices on Wednesday night because that's where we were going to be. And so it was something that was, that was always impressed on me from a young age. I was very blessed to have that. Looking back now, I can see pictures where they would take us to church in Italy where there might be a church of 25 people. And they, you know, my mom didn't even speak Italian. And so, but it was important that we were around God's people, you know, and, and I, that's the really have carried from them to me has been, I want to make sure that I'm around the right people. Because if I do, if I'm, if I'm there, if I'm around good people, generally I do, I do good things. God's people are the people to be around. I made that decision young at, I think about 11 or 12 years old is when I decided uh, to be baptized and then to kind of commit my life forward there. And I've strayed and moved. And, you know, I think we all have stories of, I think a lot of times we think we're going to get baptized or we're going to become part of God's family. And then that's it. We just, life is roses. And so, uh, you know, it's not. And so I've, I've strayed and, and fallen several times, but 
God is gracious. And uh, because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm still working towards uh, that path. I think that describes a lot of us, right? Especially that grew up in the church. You grow up, you don't realize. Um, sometimes you take it for granted, right? You know, right. and so, yeah, we can, we do kind of kind of stray. But I like what you said about surrounding yourself with those people because um, that does help us um, stay focused on on ahead. And we'll get back to, to faith in a moment. I want to talk some, some sports. I mean, you're, you are a coach now. So what a, at what point did you decide to pursue coaching? I mean, really, it, you know, I've heard a lot of guys say it's a calling. So when did you really get that desire to get into coaching? Well, I, I went to Harding. I was going to be a, in business marketing. Um, and that's, so I, I went in, that was my major until about my junior year. But during the summers, I would go back and I would be a, like an intern youth minister at a church that was close to where we were. And I started figuring out, I almost switched to becoming a youth minister. That was something I really had a passion for kids and, and wanted to be able to you know, help them. Uh, but I've always been super competitive and, and loved the game of football. I've really loved any sport. You know, I played four sports growing up and actually coached football and basketball early on. Uh, so it, it wasn't necessarily just football uh, that I was drawn to, but just that competitive aspect. And so my wife, uh, you know, we were at that point, we were about to be engaged. And so we had to have that discussion of you were going to, you know, marry a guy who's going to make a lot of money. And now we've decided to kind of go a different route. And so uh, we had both had not great experiences from church work. It's not saying that's not something to go do. It, it's a great thing to do, but it wasn't a path I wanted to be on. I felt I could reach more people if I was out, mm. not inside of a building, but out and kind of in the middle of it. And so I decided to be a coach right then. Um, fortunately for me, I, my first couple of experience, I was actually at a Christian school uh, in, in Montgomery. I was at Alabama Christian Academy and in Huntsville at Madison Academy. And then we even made the decision that I think I, we can influence even more people if we go into the public schools. And so that was kind of something I wanted to do. Um, I feel, you know, as a football, it, most kids are, are unsure they want to go to school, but they're very sure they want to play sports. And so I feel like that is a natural mission field. I mean, it's a place you can go influence people. It's a captive audience. So it kind of fit well with, you know, I'm not a youth minister, but I do feel like, you know, I'm able to help these kids, you know, accomplish a lot of their goals. And how long have you been? Um, you, you mentioned a couple places in Alabama, but now you're coaching um, in Arkansas and uh, Batesville. So, how long have you been the head coach at uh, Southside High School? Uh, this this is my ninth year here, and so I'll be working on coming. I think I'm coming up on my ninth or tenth year. I think it's my tenth year. I got here in 2011, so it'll be my ninth year coming up. Um, and uh, we took over a program that really was new to football and really, really struggling. You know, when you I'm not sure how many guys listen to this. You know, when you switch states as a coach, you kind of have to take whatever job is available. You know, that's kind of the way it goes a lot of times. And so I'm sure this was not a heavily sought after job when I took it. It was a rough situation. They lost like 20 some odd games in a row and had never worn more than two or three games in a year. And so it just was a tough deal, but it was in an area I wanted to send my own kids to school and I felt like the administration here, and, and it's been proven to be correct, really wanted to do right with these kids. And mm -hmm. so been able to, fortunately, it's taken a while, but we've turned it around now. And, and now we're, 
a little more successful on the field. Um, but it's, it's been a great journey for me uh, to be able to kind of come in. And I was able to watch that at, at Madison Academy. You know, now they're a really good football school. But when I first got there, they were very kind of average or not even great. So I got to watch some guys do some things to kind of turn it around. And then at Alabama Christian Academy, my first job, we were struggling pretty bad. Uh, and then when I took the head's job, I was able to implement some of that stuff and it worked. And so I knew, okay, I think I have an idea of what to do. It's not, nothing's perfect, but I have an idea of how to turn something around. So that was a big passion of mine was relating to kids that had really struggled and being able to help them go from, you know, bottom of the bottom to now we're, we're pretty decent. So. That's awesome. And, and obviously your faith plays a big role in your coaching. So have you experienced any resistance from players, parents, administration, because you, you know, faith is a big part of who you are? No, not really. You know, I, I do try to be careful. I, I, I am a big believer that, you know, uh, when you're spreading God's word, the best way is actions. And, and mm-hmm. the last thing you should do is words. And so a lot of times, you know, we're not talking just all the time, this, that, and the other, but we're teaching the principles that are taught in the Bible. And so mm-hmm. mo- most people are not anti that. They're not anti living a good life and helping other people and pulling out all the things that Jesus did that were awesome. Most people love that stuff. It's just, they get a little hesitant when you start actually, you know, putting it out there and and as far as like your words. And so I try to be real careful and selective when I do that. A lot of it's more, let's just teach you how to live the right way. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you know, but we will, where I don't shy away from it, you know, in our administration here has been awesome. And the state of Arkansas is a little different probably than a couple other states. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's more accepted here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of it is the product of where you are. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly agree um, that if you live it, then you'll earn the right to then use your words. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we, what we hear more of, though, is people that try to use their words and then the actions don't back it up and then we have right. all kind of problems. So. You know, and I'm, I mentioned um, in the intro that you're also an author and a speaker. I mean, you build quite the platform um, for you, related to coaching. You've, you've, uh, you, you do some speaking. You've written a couple books. So talk about the journey of writing books and a little bit about your books. Sure, uh, which is ironic because uh, if you were my English teacher in high school or even college, you probably would laugh that I'm writing books. Uh, but, uh, I've got some awesome ladies in my life. My wife, uh, is great. My, my mother, my mother-in-law are awesome to kind of finesse what I'm trying to say and make it make sense and, and, and actually have good grammar and all that stuff. So, uh, I feel like in the content, you know, what I want to put out as far as football coaches is something that's simple and people understand. I think a lot of times in the coaching realm or the world, we try to impress each other with how much we know. And a lot of times this younger generation, they don't like that. They get turned off by that and it doesn't help them. And so when I'm writing books or doing or talking or anything, I'm trying to understand the audience I'm writing to and make it simple and clear and concise. You know, uh, Twitter is a great platform for me because I'm kind of short and to the point. And that's how I want to write. I don't want you reading through 400 pages if I can do it in 20 you know, so that's kind of my theory on writing is let's get to the point 
and then you can take it and apply it how you want to. And it's been pretty awesome. You know, I, when I wrote that first book, it came out in November. I didn't understand what that really was. I thought it was a cool deal. It was a goal of mine. And all of a sudden, you know, it's at the bestseller and this is happening. All these things are happening. All these doors are opening up. And so then I had to start coming up with a plan of one, how am I going to use this for the greatest good? You know, how can I build on this, not to benefit myself, but to help more people? And so I've actually got a second book that's done. It'll come out in November. It's on football. And I'm working on a third book to try to use the platform now that's built to go more into spiritual. So that that next, that third book, I'm not sure when it will come out, uh, is much more like a coach's devotional type book uh, that will be not just for football, but any sport that really wants to be a part of it. And I'm not sure when that's going to get finished. I, I really want it to be done right. And I want it, you know, to be done in God's time. And I, sometimes his time and my time don't match up because I'm very impatient. So uh, just trying to wait for that to hit and then, and then that'll come out. I'm with you on, on that. I mean, I, I can uh, give you probably more examples than not of how um, my impatience has um, not been good, especially when it comes to God's timing. And then I look back and go, um, when you, you know, if I went on God's timing, it, it turns out even better. Um, yeah. my, my wife has a statement. She says that patience is not her virtue and it's not my virtue either. It is a virtue. It's just not mine, unfortunately. And so it's been tough for me uh, in the world of writing. And then now I'm in speaking and now putting out video that you have to be patient and mm-hmm. I'm not good at that. So it's tested me a lot. I'm with you on that. I can, yeah, that's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. Um, but along those same lines, you also have done a coach's clinic via cruise. Um, yeah. So talk about that um, idea and what that looks like. Well, it kind of goes back to, you know, as mentioned, you get a platform, you know, we have the opportunity as coaches to promote things that are important to us. And so one of the things that's important to me, because I've seen it too many times, has been the destruction of marriages over something mm. really like coaching football, you know, and, and so that was a passion of mine was what can we do, you know, to promote this and not, we're not, you know, we're, we go on a cruise, we meet, there's some spiritual aspect to it, but mainly it's just the opportunity for a coach and his wife, a coach can get what he needs to get, which is professional development, learning how to coach better. And a wife can get what so many oftentimes they're neglected of. And that's, the support group of other coaches' wives, you know, and the fact that their husband gives them the time they need. You know, in our profession, a lot of times it's looked at as a badge of honor if you neglect your family. And and I don't want that to be any part of what I'm doing. And so it was a chance for us to kind of do something different. Uh, Obviously, with the virus going around, I'm hoping it clears up because we've got another one coming up. But I try to do one a year. And anyone wants to come can come and whether you're religious or not religious, whether you have seven kids or one, whatever situation you're in, it's just a chance to kind of kill two birds, one stone. You get your coaching stuff that you need, but you also are able to spend time with your family. How many, how many have you done? This will be my third one coming up. Um, I think it's a, it's not, I mean, it's something we're, I'm doing this unique, but I think it'd be awesome to see other people take on. I've, FCA helps us and I've got coaches out to reach now is going to be helping us on the next one. So I don't, I'm not a spiritual guru by any means. I don't know how to help ladies that are coaches, wives and my wife does a great job there, but uh, we wanted to part. I wanted to partner with them and said, I'll handle the football stuff. You know, I can bring guys on or I can 
talk football with whoever. So you'll get something good from that. But I needed someone to help me, and those organizations are are great to help. Yeah, I think you're right. I've seen so many friends in in coaching that you know every one of them will tell you that that the marriage piece is so important. Um, you know, I know, and I know that's your heart. Just by I know we haven't met in person, but just conversations and then watching you on social media, you know, with this Facebook group, it's about a month old, inviting coaches and spouses um, just to join a group, a safe place. And just seeing the interaction there has been encouraging, you know, both from wives and, and coaches. Um, I know I, yeah, I, I, I coach I, have been encouraged. Good. Well, it's, to me, it's, I think a lot of times coaches, spouses or coaches try to live separate lives sometimes, whereas my work and my family, I, I don't think that's how it's meant to be. I think your family's meant to be involved in what you do. And, and my wife has been awesome to do that. And I know that there's a lot of wives platforms. So we just want to try to build some kind of platform where a coach and his wife can get on there and be encouraged. They can contribute or just watch and listen, whatever they want to do. But it's just a chance for them to say, hey, look, there's other people in the same boat you're in. And here's some encouragement. Yeah, I like that. I mean, to me, um, I've, told a few folks about it and they ask and the, the only thing I, I'm a simple person I'm from Alabama so my, my some of my vocabulary could be limited I'm not making fun of everybody from Alabama but um you know I, I just describe it as a safe place right you know it's just a you're kind of shielded because it is a closed group and so everybody's there for the common purpose and so it's just safe of, to to share your heart yeah that, that's the goal and that's what we need more of in this profession I think is you know, a lot of times we pour into kids, but mm-hmm. it's we don't always pour into our family or we don't get fed from people. And so it's a chance to do that, to encourage each other. You know, I, I don't actually post very much in the group, but I watch everything. And so it's kind of my way to be fed because a lot of times I'm pouring out to other people. That's right. Yeah. And that's, you know, you hit something that's very important that you can't pour out if you're not getting, you know, poured into. Right. Um, that's good. So what are, you know, kind of playing off of that, your, your heart for marriages, what are, you know, what would you say some things that, that you've learned or, or some advice of how to balance the demands of being a coach than a husband and a dad? I learned, unfortunately, a lot by mistakes. And so I'll speak from a place of where I've had to grow. And you can ask my spouse if she was in here, I've still got a long way to go as I grow in this area. But, um, I would say that if winning football games is the only reason you're in this profession or whatever profession you're in, you know, half the time, I mean, look at the odds, half the time you're going to be very upset and depressed. Uh, And if if your goal is not to help other people, uh, to help kids, and you're going to have a problem. And, And that goes with your family because a lot of times I take it out on them because I expect them to understand what I'm coming from, and it's a safe place for me. I can't let my guard down in front of the team or in front of the administration or the media, but I can let it down at home, and a lot of times that happens. And so to me, some things that I've learned are, one, we build in date nights with my wife and I, and so if we have a lot of money, which we're a teacher, we never have a lot of money, but we try to do vacation-type things right before the season, or if you have a bye week in the middle of the season, build some time in, to be intentional. I've, I do better when I go somewhere. Like if I'm at home, I'm easily distracted because I'm always at home. So whether sometimes we'll go to a hotel in a, in a city that's an hour away just to go get out of the house 
and be with your spouse. And I'm starting now to try to do the same thing with my kids, to build in intentional time one-on-one with them, budget it out, carve it out so you don't feel guilty about it, and then go make that quality time. Like I took my son to a Dallas Cowboy game uh, this year during our bye week. Well, that was awesome. We got some great time together. You're obviously limited in time during a season, so trying to make that quality time. You know, what I have not done well is shut it down when I get home. I've not done really well there, and, and that's something I've, I've got to grow in is understand that I can't continue to solve problems all the time. At some point, I've got to just shut down and be be where I am, be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot, on that be where your feet are. You know, I one of the best pieces of advice I got when asking that question was when I uh, sat down and talked to, um, almost a year ago, Coach Randy Allen at Highland Park High School here in the Dallas area. I, I think he's – it's like the Bear Bryant of high school football. And uh, he said he and his wife, they go um, – every six months they go off for a weekend. They, they don't take anything but calendars, and they map out their date nights, kind of like what you're, what you're saying is plan them out, Good. whether yeah. it's a local restaurant or go to a hotel. And that way, you know, because if it's not a priority, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's been good for me is to get away, get out and get away. We do cruises a lot because my wife and I enjoy that. And there's no cell service. So you, you literally are, you have to shut down, you know, and so that, that's helped me a lot. Yeah. What would you say, um, you know, just thinking on, on your career so far, what would you say is like the greatest accomplishment? Man, I, I I think it's I think back to his stories. You know, probably the most recent one. I had a kid. I won't mention his name. Who came back? He graduated. Been you know been graduated for a couple of years and was having issues with family. So he came by and wanted to come by my house, spend a couple of hours with me, and just let me still coach him, still be his mentor. You know, and that to me, I felt like okay, this is a guy who's now twenty or twenty one years old who looks at me, he is the guy he wants advice from, you know, and this is a kid that I've coached hard. I used to coach hard. And uh, that to me, when you're starting to see kids come back to you and it's not just stories about the season, but now it's, Hey, coach me in life. You know, that's, that to me was special. I, I remember that. I don't know if he remembers it as much as I do, but it was a big deal for me. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, what about flip it over? I mean, you've, you've coached, different states. What would you say has your greatest, been your greatest challenge? Man, I, um, I would say probably, and I don't know if it's, uh, I'll, I'll say mistake-wise, uh, a lot of times if you coach for a long enough, you lose a kid. You know, and a lot of us have mm-hmm. stories about some kid that made a mistake. Uh, one of mine, I had just started here, and uh, I actually put this in the book that's coming out, so I've talked to his parents and they're okay with this. They're trying to use his death as kind of a warning for mm-hmm. other kids. But I was pretty aware that he had had some issues. Now, we he was clean when he was with me, but I didn't continue to check up on him after he was done with me. And he passed away uh, probably two or three years as a father at that point. And that was a hard lesson for me to understand of, you know, I got him for a limited amount of time. And I kept him clean because it served our purpose of keeping him clean. He could play football. But I didn't look to the long term of what are we doing with this guy after he leaves. And so I regret that a lot. I don't really know if I could have done anything to change it. But I feel like I didn't do what I could do 
And so that's something I've always kind of still gnaws at you a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, and so it's something I want to make sure with future kids I do. That's a, that's a hard one to process, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, you know, as a, as a man of faith, as a follower of Christ and coaching, there's a lot of talk about that old school coaching of uh, lots of profanity, almost degrading guys, yeah. right? Um, so how do you balance that as a follower of Christ, of that fine line? Because you want to coach hard, you want to demand excellence, but you can't cross that line. So how do you, how do you balance that? It's easier for me because I'm the head coach. So what I say goes, you know, uh, and, uh, and so I just, we don't do it. You know, we, we don't, I hardly raise my voice. You know, I want, I want when my voice raises there to be a reaction to it. And so we use a lot of, uh, a couple terms that we'll do instead of degrading and pushing. Cause I think you can lead through fear. You can lead through respect. You can lead through love. There's different ways you can lead and you can be effective in all of them. I mean, I think there's some guys that they're very successful uh, through fear. That's not what I want to be about. And so I don't do that. So we try to talk about standards of what we expect and pushing above the minimum. We try to use that word a lot above the minimum. You know, we can, I can give you guys a minimum, but is that what you want to be about? Do you want to be just barely good enough or do you want to reach for what's best? And I think a lot of times coaching is all about individual relationships. And so calling guys in, beforehand and asking them what they want and then just being very clear of here's how we need to go get it are you okay with me pushing you and demanding your best but that doesn't mean demeaning or degrading I don't ever want one of my kids to think that the only thing they matter to me about is what they can produce on the field on Friday night you know I want them to understand that whether we win or lose I'm the same guy you know and I love them and care for them however I expect their best and if we win and they didn't give me their best, that's, that's a problem. And if we lose and they gave me their best, as a coach, you just got to let that go. You know, did we do the best we could do? What can we do better? But it's not a personal vendetta. You know, no kid says, hey, I'm, I'm going to screw this up for coach. No one says that. You know, and so understanding that I think helps a lot. The hard part is putting it in action. hard part is on a Friday night when you got beat, understanding – let things cool down a little bit. And if these kids really did give you the best they could, you got to let that go. I like that. Um, above the minimum. I like that. Yeah. I wrote that one down. I'm going to use that one even here at the house with the kids. Yeah. You know, well, she always want to do, do just a little, just barely what's required. Well, that's what my, my parents always told me, you know, mine was always, if I brought home a C, they would get all over me and they said, and they use kind of use a Bible verse of, you know, for whom much is given, much is expected. Um, and I said, you're not, you're smarter than that. We expect better. And so I try to use it. My players is mm-hmm. I just want the best of what you can do, you know, and your star players or your good players. Oftentimes I'll have that conversation before the season of you're going to feel like I'm harder on you than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You've been given more. We expect more from you. So. That's true. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's very fair, and I think a good a good way even outside of outside of sports. Um, this next question is, you know, we live the culture is divided, and we, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But you know, there's race, there's socioeconomics, there's politics, there's religion. I mean, there's all kind of things. But football, um, I mean, sports, but football in particular has a unique way to kind of tear down those walls. So, how have you seen in your experience? football play a role in just tearing it down? 
Well, yeah, to me, the reason I think football is the greatest game, and I've coached a lot of games, and I'm not demeaning any of those games, but football is the only game I know of where only one guy knows he's touching the ball. And so 10 guys have to sacrifice, or sometimes 21 guys, the guys who play defense don't get to touch the ball. They have to sacrifice for that one guy to have success. So it's a, it's a built-in mentality of unselfishness and sacrifice, where most sports now are having to fight that. You play baseball or basketball or whatever else, if you coach those sports, you're having to fight that selfishness. Where football is innately built in, we're going to be unselfish. It's also innately built in for any body type. And if you're mm. a big guy that you couldn't do another sport, you can play football. Or if you're a real athletic guy, you can play football. We talk a lot to our kids about the when you get between the white lines, no one cares how much money you make or how smart you are, or what color you are, or any of that stuff. None of that stuff matters. All of it matters is are you going to sacrifice to the best of your ability? So I feel that football is one of the few places left in our society where all of the character values, the unselfishness, all of that stuff is innately built in. Just as a coach, we just don't ruin it. You know, just coach it as pure <laughs> as it's supposed to be coached. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of truth in that. Um, I like that analogy of, you know, just the offense. Only one guy is getting the ball. So you got to say you're, you know, you're built in sacrifice and hopefully teach us selfless. Yeah. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, that's why, I mean, those guys, they know they're never going to get glory, never, but they're right. still there every day. And that to me is the ultimate, the ultimate unselfish position. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what would you say to that coach or student athletes that's listening, understands their platform, um, that, you know, they are a person of faith, but they, they, they want to better use that platform. How would you encourage them in that way? Well, one, have thick skin because you're going to mess up. And when you put yourself out there in any kind of leadership role or any, especially any kind of faith, mm -hmm. you're going to get hammered. And so get ready for it. But that, that you're told that in the Bible. I mean, the devil is going to attack you if you put it out there. If you're not getting attacked, you know, maybe you're not putting it out there enough. I'd say, I would also say try to be intentional and understand that, you know, God has people on both teams. So winning is not, I don't think winning on a scoreboard, in my opinion, has anything to do with God. You know, I think he cares for both teams, you know, but I think the way you react to it and the way you use your circumstances definitely is a God thing. You know, how do you handle winning and success? How do you handle losing and failure? That is your platform. So don't always think I'm not winning. You know, I, I have nothing to contribute. No, you have a lot to contribute because I watch people, how they handle failure a lot more than I watch how they handle winning. You know, I think that people that can go through hard circumstances and come out and show their character, those are true people of faith. You know, it's easy to do it when you're winning. That's right. Oh, yeah. We yeah talk about it all the time. It's easy to stand there and say, I give God all the glory when you, when you just won. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, even outside of athletics, when, you, when you, right. you're not having a lot of success to, to, to say, I'm doing it for the glory of God. You know, it's, it's very easy to thank God when things are good. So a lot of people um, have a favorite verse. Um, a life verse, if you will, or um, I was going to ask you, you know, if you have one of those or do you have one that maybe God's shown you recently that you'd share with us? 
I've got one that hangs up in my uh, in our living room that's recently kind of become my thing. And Micah six eight. It's basically is what does the Lord require of you, mm-hmm. but to to do uh, act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Because I love the fact that it, at no point in that is it talking about talking or boasting, or it's just talking about live how you're supposed to live, you know, and that's what God requires from you is not all the other fluff. You know, some people are eloquent speakers. I'm not, I wouldn't bless that way, but I think I can do that. And I believe that's Micah six, eight. Is that correct? It is. I'm yep. Good. Okay. Yep. Do justice, love <laughs> kindness, walk humbly. Right. And that's become, that's kind of new to me. It's become something I really have taken and, and tried to adapt. This is all about your walk and what you're really doing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've read that verse a million times and, you know, I've never really thought about the fact it doesn't say anything about talking. No. And, and, I, and I love the humbly, walk humbly with your God. I think that a lot of times if we understand how bad a person, like I understand how terrible the things I've done are and that humility allows me to extend grace to other people. I think that's an attraction. If you, I've got a master that I'm still working on it, but when you humble yourself and you realize how bad you are, then, you know, it, I can extend that grace to other people and act in a much better way than to feel I'm proud or I'm better than somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the good one. I love that question because I take notes. And so I love to go back and look up the scriptures and that's, that's a good one. Like I said, I, I've heard it a lot, but it's never dawned on me till today that um, it does not it does say anything about our speech, which is, no. I mean, it's important, but it's how we act. So this last question, um, two words in sports. I don't have to explain it all in. I mean, it's all over the place. You name the sport, it's out there. But it's also, if you look at the Gospels, Jesus talks about if you're going to follow me, you got to be selfish, you got to deny yourself. So in a practical sense, what does that look like in your daily walk to be all in with Christ? Well, man, like you mentioned, it's when you decide you're all in something, you can phase out distractions and you're not worried about failure. You know, I'm actually... Uh, we talked about earlier that third book I'm working on that talks about it. There are a lot of athletes that are scared to put forth everything they have because of the fear of failure. Like they're scared. Mm. If I get blocked, it's going to be on YouTube or Twitter and basketball, or if I get smoked in football, people are going to make fun of me. When you're all in, you don't care about that stuff. You don't care about what anybody else says because your mind is so focused on whatever your goal is. The important thing I would think you need to make sure you're doing if you're an athlete or a coach Make sure your goal's in the right place because if it's all in just winning a championship, if you happen to get to that goal, it's going to be empty. You know, your goal needs to be, I'm all in serving God and doing the best that I can do and the best that I can be and whatever he chooses to bless me with, that's awesome. Or if he chooses not to, that's okay too. You know, but I'm all in giving everything I've got uh, to, to serving him and to being the best person I can be. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for... Um connecting on social media and um, setting us up and sharing your heart. I know um, I'm encouraged just by watching you from afar um, on social media and being a part of your Facebook group. And now having this conversation, I know it's encouragement to me and I can't, I I love the idea of your coaches pouring in the coaches book and and I cannot wait for that to come out. I think it's needed. So I'm I'm excited excited about it. And what you're doing right now, I mean, that's, it's a big deal. I know that, you know, you guys that are making an effort to make it more than just sports. 
that's something that's needed. And so I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I think you're going to, you're going to find there's a huge audience uh, for what you're trying to do because people are thirsty uh, for people that want to make sports more than just about winning. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you again to Coach Simpson for taking time to to share his story, his passion for using the platform of athletics to to impact young men through the game of football and making them more than football players, but pointing them toward Jesus in hopes that they would enter into a relationship with him and become better men, better husbands, better dads down the road. Just a reminder he gave us of what it means to to sacrifice, to be selfless. Um, and from Scripture, you know, act justly, love mercy, and most importantly, walk humbly. You know, and then closed it out with um, being all in is it's no fear of failure. Um, and it's just serving God with everything. And everything we say, everything we think, everything we do is all about serving God. I hope this episode has encouraged you as much as it encouraged me. And I ask you to share it with somebody, a family member or a friend that needs to be encouraged today. I'd also ask you, if you're not a current subscriber to our podcast, that whatever platform you utilize to listen to this episode, that you would click the subscribe button. There's many more episodes prior to this one that I know will encourage you as well. And we have some incredible guests coming up that will encourage you just as much as this one. Also, we love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or any of our social media sites on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in All In Sports Outreach in the search bar. It'll take you to our pages. You can find out who we are, why we do what we do. You can send us a message. We love to hear from you. Also, you'll, you'll see opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support and your encouragement and your prayers.